good morning. It's 10.08 WTIC News Talk 1080. This is uh, Wilm Roddy, Wilm Roddy Show, Matt Sorais, our Master of Ceremonies. We had a call yesterday about uh, gasoline and gas gouging, and it's not the first time I've heard about it. And There's a lot about gas and, and futures and speculation that it, it get a little in the weeds with it. I think most people are kind of like, well, how come the prices go up so quick and they don't go down that quickly? You know, there's a lot of questions about it. So, if we, you know, better to have an expert on talk about this. Chris Herb is the president of the Connecticut Energy Marketers Association, longtime Connecticut person, uh, served in the legislature as an aide, worked for the Red Cross, uh, uh, coached at Naugatuck High School, go Greyhounds. <laughs> so we want, to, uh, we want to welcome Chris to the show. Chris, thank you for coming on. Oh, I love the shout out to the Greyhounds. Thank you. <laughs> we just had four girls in track. We get all American. So they're oh, really? snoggy strong. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. That's really good. Hey, so, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if anybody can explain this mess to us, I, I'm thinking you can because you're, you're vast. You've been with, with, with SEMA for a long time, right? I mean, this isn't, uh, this yeah, is 20 uh, years. 20 years. Okay. So the call yesterday was, oh, you know, how come gas, you know, re- retailers are gouging us and all sort of stuff. And I tried to have a conversation about it, but it didn't go very far with, you know, the concept of speculation and markets and futures and so on and so forth. Can you can you explain the process to us, Chris? Why Why is it that? Oil, you know, it was fifty dollars a barrel. Now it's one hundred twenty dollars, one hundred thirty dollars a barrel, and and the prices go up instantly instead of waiting for the oil that's in the tanks already in the ground, whatever, to be consumed, and then the new expensive oil comes in. And then I, I know it doesn't work that way, but why doesn't it work that way, Chris? Sure. So uh, the the theory behind this is it's called replacement cost. If I only make a dollar today on the product that I have in the ground. And the next product that I'm going to get is going to cost me $3. How do I afford to purchase it to replace my pound? Yeah. So it's, it's, a fairly, it's fairly logical when you think it through, that if I don't make enough money today on, like, how can I afford to replace that gas 80 cents, which was happening last week. We were seeing, we were seeing 60, 80 cent moves during the day. Mm. And if we don't afford to pay for the next load. Now, now, just to keep in mind as background, that Connecticut has a law that, that prohibits refiners like ExxonMobil and BP and Shell mm. from owning and operating gas stations. So these are fa- typically family-owned yeah. companies. They don't have the resources of Wall Street behind them to, to be able to finance and borrow to buy that next load of gasoline. So that's why you see prices move before the inventory is replaced. You know, it's funny. I, I think it's mythology that, you know, gas oh, gas station, oh, they make so much money. I remember my first job in high school was at a gas station, right? And it was it just it was family owned, and and uh, uh, they didn't they didn't make a lot of money then on gas, and that was you know a long time ago. They don't make a lot of money now on gas. It's not like people are you know you know retiring off of gas. Well, I'll just just put it in perspective. Uh, the government gets about seventy cents in in uh, taxes per gallon, yeah. where the retailer it's a pennies per gallon profit yeah. business. Right. They make it up on volume. You know, we yeah, sell to, as, right. as a state, we sell. 1.6 billion gallons. So you don't need to make a ton of money per gallon when you're moving that much product. But the problem really is that if you um, if you if if you compare to who actually is making money, it's yeah. the government number one at 70 cents, Wall yeah. Street, the refiners. But it's not your local retailer. They're just they're just waking up, and that just happens to be their job. Yeah, I mean, years ago, years ago, I wanted to go into business, and I wanted to buy a very small gas station. 
uh, in a small town, and uh, I thought it was a good location, and um, uh, you know, have some repair work and stuff, and and I had somebody who was going to finance it for me, and literally, like days before I was going to get my first shipment of gas, my guy backed out on me. And the, and the and the oil company was gracious to allow me to get out of the deal because you know my 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 funding dried up, uh, and I I look back now and I go thank God because that that gas station I think is out of business now but it went through about seven or eight different owners between the time I wanted to buy it and you know fifteen years later so it's a tough business and it, it and I just think people are 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 too too harsh on on gasoline retailers in general they think that you know they're making all this money and they're really not so um what how what's the current what's the current uh market attitude do you think are we going to see higher prices is it going to keep going up i mean i i think i paid 453 the other day to fill my car up and i remember not too long ago i was paying around two dollars a gallon yeah, it, it, it did. It rose the fastest in history. Our members who've been in this business longer than I've been with the association tell us that prices moved in a way that they've never seen in history. And, and, and I'll put that in perspective. They didn't move this fast on 9-11. They didn't mm-hmm. move this fast on the, in the Persian Gulf War. They didn't mm-hmm. move this fast with Hurricane Katrina, which actually resulted in, in supply interruptions. Yeah. They have never witnessed this type of market. Most gasoline stations were underwater. They were actually selling gasoline at a loss because they couldn't keep up with those price changes as fast as they were happening, number one. Number two, as you said, it's a tough business. There are 1,400 retailers that all they have to do is walk out to the front of the station, look to the left and look to the right to see what their competition is doing. And if they're not willing to give up their volume, because about half the profit comes from the convenience store. So if you end up moving your price up too fast, the other guy doesn't. Now you're losing all those in-store sales. So, so there's a fight on the street, um, and that price doesn't typically get passed on as fast. So we did uh, a number of years ago, our church did a, a promotion. We, we got a, a local uh, retailer, and we said, listen, and this was, this is, gosh, this has got to be 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Gas was around $4 a gallon. And we said we we're gonna we we're gonna go back, and so we we cut a deal with the retailer and said for a period of time we're gonna let people fill up their cars, and we'll pay the difference between four dollars a gallon and two ninety nine, and um, and we just threw it out there. I gotta tell you, it was insanity. Uh, there were cars lined up for what seemed to be miles, because we promoted it. We put out press release. They were gonna do it. There, I mean, so. Uh, you know, from from four dollars to two ninety, that's only a buck, but you know, dollar and one cent. But it, for a lot of people, it's, it's a huge savings, or they're willing to. What do you think a, a retailer has to do in terms of keeping their price low to to draw you know people away from other places? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to not buy gas for my regular price for two cents a gallon. Others might. I don't know. I certainly would have thought about it for a dollar one. You know, a discount of a buck. But what do you what do you think you have to discount to 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 you know really you know boost that volume so you're able able to really get a lot of uh, product through? But people will drive um, to uh, miles out of their way to save a nickel. I mean, yeah. and, and, and you and, and you know for your listeners, you know who you are. You know that you're driving by this station, going, eh, I know if I drive ten more minutes down the road or across or to the town next door, I can save five six cents a gallon. Yeah. So it does not take a lot, even really? in a low price environment. It doesn't take a lot for someone to 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 go seek out the lowest price, and that's what that's why 
free and fair competition is a good thing. It's healthy yeah. and allows consumers to shop. Um, you know, we, we we encourage that, and that's what happens on the street. They fight it out every day for that gallon that they want to sell. So it doesn't take a ton. I mean, I'd be afraid to do it again now, that our, our gas discount run, because I just feel like we'd be overwhelmed. I mean, I think people would line up. It literally would line up for miles. And then, you know, then we have problems with traffic and, you know, traffic control and everything else. But, um, gosh, it, I don't know. I mean, is it going to hit $5 in Connecticut, Chris, do you think? So today, crude oil prices, where a week ago Sunday, yeah. um, we hit almost $140 a barrel for crude oil. That's what set all of the retail prices into action because the, that when crude hit that, that number, <clears throat> the price increases started to be passed down to, at the wholesale level to the retailers. So last week we saw this huge surge. Um, today, crude oil has gone under $100. So we've seen this massive correction. Street prices are starting to reflect that. So mm-hmm. we've, seen, we've seen street prices come down where, where gas stations around the state were over $5 last week. Now we're seeing them in the mid four, you know, around four fifty. dollars mm-hmm. uh, so, so I'm going to tell you that right now the markets seem to be cooling off. The fear that was built into an actual supply interruption, which we don't have. My members right. can go down and get as much gas as they need. And we haven't. Isn't that right, Chris? Since the, the invasion of Ukraine, we haven't had a supply problem. That's right. This was Wall Street's reaction to their concern that a potential supply interruption would happen. And so then you would think that the president's uh, sanctioning and not allowing Russian oil to come to the United States would have, oh, well, Chris, wouldn't that cause a supply interruption? Well, guess what? It doesn't go in effect until 45 days from now. So no, it's not creating a supply yeah. problem. We're still getting Russian oil. It's still being turned into refined product. When that sanction finally does kick in, then it's going to be a matter of, is the rest of the world or is the United States willing to make that up by, by producing more energy? So it's either we need to open up uh, more drilling in the United States, or we have to rely on Venezuela or Iran, and God forbid they cut a nuclear deal with Iran to, to get oil. I mean, I'll tell you, there are some things that I don't think anyone wants to see, and, and it's not worth selling our soul over. Well, um, but but that's what's going to fix those sanctions, is can we get the world to produce more energy to offset the Russian uh, Russian exports? All right, so without getting political, I'm not asking you to get political. I'm just wanting you to, to, to give us a, a survey, a landscape. So a uh, year and a half ago, we, for the first time ever, were, were a net exporter of oil and, and gas. And at that time, our prices were probably around, I don't know what the national average is, but around 2 bucks a gallon, something like that. I, I, I heat and propane. Our church uses gobs, you know, 45,000 gallons of propane a year because it heats with propane. And, and the pro, pro, propane prices were heavenly. It was so, we were saving so much money on propane. Uh, then we have a change in administration. Executive order number one, shut down construction of the, the Keystone. Uh, stop any leasing, new leasing. Um, you know, the, the, the policies that started gas prices rising over a year ago. If, if those things were reversed, if those policies were reversed, would you anticipate oil production in the United States to ramp up again? Would you anticipate prices dropping again? I mean, is, could, it, could it happen that that quickly maybe it may obviously take months for that to take place but because it's speculation still but if we reverse the policies that we put in place at the change administration do you think we would go back down to lower if not two dollars but three dollar gallon gas 
Well, let, let me just say that I'm of a certain age that I remember the 1970s uh, OPEC oil embargoes and what that did to us. And it seemed like for the rest of my life, the United States fought for energy independence, and we finally achieved it a few years ago. The, po the federal energy policies that have no longer allowed us to be a net exporter of energy has put us at heightened risk, is in part responsible for the high prices that we're paying for fuel today. Um, there is no doubt about it. It is absolutely unimaginable that the administration would allow for the United States to hold back oil production and then put the handout to Venezuela, which has hor horrific human rights uh, policies that are in play where people are, are being treated awfully. Again, uh, Iran, that is a threat to world peace, um, is, is now suddenly uh, a deal could be brokered to give that, to allow them to restart their nuclear program to get their oil when we have it here. Start at home. And mm. we, have, we have sent letters to the White House saying that you, you need to reconsider this because why is a, a, a barrel of oil from Iran any worse or better than one from the United States except for we can control it? Our energy right. independence right. can push down worldwide prices, and we need to return to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got so much oil here. I mean, I, I someone told me once, at one point we have more oil in Alaska than than practically the rest of the planet. It's just like, why not? Why not take advantage of of uh, of a resource that that we already possess, that we already we already have, and not to mention the jobs and um, you know all of the ancillary impact it has from from oil producing. Um, so so what do you say? So so is it, is it safe to say this is very simplistic? Uh, is it safe to say that the gasoline prices? We're talking, by the way, with Chris Herb from the Connecticut Energy Marketers Association. Is it safe to say that gasoline prices today do not tie to oil prices today, but they do tie to crystal balls on Wall Street? I would agree with that. That that is a good description of it. Is that <clears throat> Wall Street? is is the the New York Mercantile Exchange is the is supposed to be a transparent pricing mechanism that all all of these products are based off of. So when Wall Street believes that there is going to be supply shortages in the future, they price that in today. So mm -hmm. the the actual physical supply is is where it was prior to the conflict, prior prior to the invasion of of Ukraine, but Wall Street's afraid that that's not going to work, that's not going to continue, that that supply will be interrupted, and that's why the price is up. So these are, you know, we, we joke, 25-year-old Wharton graduates on, on the New York Mercantile Exchange um, betting that there's going to be a supply shortage, which, which would be economics 101. When supply is short of demand, sure. prices sure. go up. They're just betting that that's going to happen right now. So I, I've been out of the gasoline business for a long time, so I mean, like many, many, many years, decades. So... As I recall, I mean, I don't. I'm a, I'm a gas retailer. I don't just decide what my price is, right? I get a message from somebody, from Gulf, from BP, from somebody, about pricing, and and then I send a kid out. And you know, when we did, I don't know if they did because they have digital signs now. I send the kid out and say, go go put, you know, raise the six to an eight. Um, is that still kind of how it works? Yep, that has not changed. So typically, <laughs> in in normal markets. And by the way, they still do send the kid out to, to change the sign where, where there's no digital signs. Um, but uh, in a normal market, 
the price would typically be sent to the retailer at 6 p.m. the day before. They know exactly you know, what the, co- the wholesale cost is. They know yeah. what their margin needs to be. They know what the taxes are, and that's how they set the price in, under normal markets. But now they're getting multiple-day price moves up and down, by the way, mm-hmm. um, that, are, that are so dramatic that they can't keep up with it. So that's why the street prices never truly reflected what was actually happening over the last 10 days. Um, and now they're starting to sort out. Now that the, now that the Wall Street is calming, the, the, the local prices are starting to, to plateau. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we really want to see them fall a lot further from where they are, but unfortunately there's no good news on, along those lines. I mean, we will have supply tightness if, uh, again, if we can't locate additional supply. I mean, the big argument was, well, the Keystone's not doing anything. It's not even finished yet, and it's it's not even oil. It's sand. Or, you know, <laughs> that's the area. But the fact of the matter is, it, again, the guys in Wall Street, the speculators, are going, man, if this oil, if this oil product that has to be refined, and about thirty percent of our of our refineries can refine that that product, right? It's not like we have to send it to Bulgaria to get it. No, no, no. Yeah, that would be done domestically. Okay. Um, but but your your point is right. And and you hear a lot that people say, well, Excel, you know, was only you know three percent built, so you know it's really not having a supply impact. And that's true. But we're not paying for a supply shortage. We're paying right. for Wall Street. So a signal Fear. from the administration <laughs> that we are willing to do that would yeah. send shockwaves through Wall Street. The price would tumble. But it yeah, would, yeah, but he's yeah. just not willing to do it. Why? And I think that's I think that's a fairly simple equation, Chris. I don't know why. Again, I think maybe people are handcuffed by political views, but but it's it's such a simple thing to do. I mean, it would be so easy. Hey, I'm making a new executive order. Let's get that pipeline built. Bang, <laughs> prices go down. And it's like, really, is it that hard to do, folks? I mean, I don't know. It's just well, instead, instead, he's chosen to do some things that um, that have had no impact, which is releasing the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, Three days. which was yeah. created for actual supply emergencies. Right. He used right. it as a price tool mechanism, and it didn't work. Both releases did nothing to stop the price from rising. Right. So what right. we're saying, hold that in reserve. Our reserves actually have now slipped below China's, which which is not what they should not have used that no. for, the, for the purpose it wasn't intended. No, but when you're desperate, you do desperate things, right? So that's, that's kind of how it works. Well, I wish hey. you got desperate enough to say it's time to produce energy in America by Americans so oh. that we can, we can help American families. From your lips to God's ears. Uh, Chris, thank you. Chris Herb from the... Connecticut Energy Marketers Association. Hey, I hope, I hope you come back. You're a smart guy. We'd like to talk to you again some more and, and, and go Greyhound. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll come back uh, with your call. We're going to come back with Chris Powell, but we'll take more calls as well. 800-966-9842, 860-522-9842. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. It's um, 1040 WTC News Talk 1080. I do want to tell you about a fundraiser we're going to be doing tomorrow um, uh, to, to, to help the situation in Ukraine. So this is all four of the uh, Odyssey stations. Uh, what we're going to be doing is working with the Credit Union League of Connecticut, We've uh, teamed up to send supplies to Ukraine, and we're going to raise money to help cover the shipping costs. And that's going to be tomorrow. 
and um, we'll we'll have more details tomorrow about it. So just uh, stay tuned. More to come. And this and again, all uh, WTIC Light 100 uh, 96.5 TIC and Hot 93. All of us will be participating in this fundraiser tomorrow to help raise some shipping money to send supplies to Ukraine. WTIC teaming up with the Credit Union League of Connecticut. And uh, we'll have more talk about that uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go to one call before we take Chris Powell. Uh, uh, Steve has been holding for a while. Steve in Springfield. Thanks for holding. Steve, what's on your mind? Hi, Pastor Will. Um, I've been getting frustrated lately because I really think that people are really missing the boat on on this whole thing about, uh, you know, electric cars and gas prices going up and people not being able to afford to put uh, gas in their cars. Instead of arguing from an economic standpoint, um, I, I, I looked up um, uh, public transit and the environment, and people don't understand that these environmentalist plan is for you to not be able to afford to drive your car. Yeah, only I, I, I get that. Your car. <laughs> I get that. Sure. But, yeah. but what I'm saying, this is the argument that they don't want to make public. They don't want they are on board with you not being able to afford to drive your car, or you only driving it 50% of the time. This whole electric car argument is like, ha, 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 we know you can't afford one. Uh, I mean, electric cars are unaffordable. They're impractical, and they're unaffordable. Well, I think at the heart of all this, Steve, I've been saying this for years, the heart of all of this climate argument, and and we're going to save the world, and we're not going to say, this is all about wealth transfer at the end of the day. This is nothing about electric cars. This is all about changing the class system and you're going to have two classes. You're going to have the ruling class, which all the EVP want to be in, and you're going to have the working class, which they want us to be in. And that's all this is about. It's wealth transfer. That's the long and short of it. And you're absolutely right. They're, they they want us to not have cars. That's exactly the goal. And and Elon Musk has said as much. The, the CEO of Toyota has said as much. And they make and sell electric cars. So it, it's a it's a, it, it would be on. It'd be nice to just be honest about it, wouldn't it be nice, Steve? Oh yeah, it, it, it would be nice, but the, but the only thing, what it boils down to is this whole um, like public planning, city planning. They're really mad about white flight and white people leaving the cities and yeah, losing yeah. tax revenue, which is why they're trying to, to federalize uh, local zoning laws. Oh my so that gosh, you have I to bring it. in. I know, I know, it's horrible. Steve, good good points. Thank you very much. Joining us now on the hotline, former managing editor of the Journal Enquirer. Always, always a fun time. Uh, a good friend, Chris Powell. Chris, welcome back to the show. Oh, great to be with you, Will. So I had somebody on the other day, uh, and uh, Vin Kendallara. We were talking about this 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 thirty five hundred dollar bonus to forty three thousand state employees. And you know, first of all, I don't even think state employees should have a union. I think I think it's counter. I think it's it's conflict of interest. I don't I don't it doesn't it's counterintuitive to me. I think the legislature should make these decisions with representatives from the state but not a union. But that's not the way it works. So they don't care what I think. But really $5300 or or $3500 per every single employee? How does this yeah, even begin to make sense? It's a, you know, a signing bonus. It's a Advance payment on the uh, the votes of the state employees in the gubernatorial election, uh, and uh, I think it's you know fully uh, predictable that something like this was uh, going to happen. And look, the, the the government employee unions in Connecticut are the biggest uh, factor in the Democratic Party. They're the army of the Democratic Party, and yes. uh, 
in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, on uh, Election Day, you will find thousands of government employees taking one of their many discretionary uh, paid days off, uh, working the polls and making phone calls for, uh, for for the party. So you know this this you know new, new contract uh, deal that the governor has made with the state employee bargaining agent uh, coalition. You know basically is the is the payment uh, from the Democratic Party to to its army. Uh, if without that army, the 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 party would be uh, would be much uh, much weaker. I mean, but every all this is all anticipatable. Um, and you know, in in fairness to to the governor, you you don't find uh, any Republicans in Connecticut uh, calling for repeal of uh, collective bargaining and binding arbitration for government employees. They're, well, <laughs> they're they're just as afraid of the unions as as the I Democrats know. are, and. Uh, uh, you know they uh, they figure they're only going to make enemies uh, if they uh, they come out against these pernicious policies because the public doesn't pay attention. And and that's the problem. But I was watching an interview from the weekend, and and again, talk about conflict of interest. Joe Arasimowitz, Democrat, former Speaker of the House, union representative, union boss. <laughs> And it's like he's trying to explain the, the, the validity of, of why this thing, right? So his logic was, well, you know, their, their, their COLA, their cost of living increases aren't going to cover the rate of inflation. So if you expand it out over 10 years, it's about $3,500. Oh, okay. Okay, good. So let's do that then. Let's, let's pay him for 10 years. The governor says he's doing this to avoid the mass retirement that we're facing of state employees, which I say less employees, better. Uh, except for the stress load it puts on the, oh, yeah, by the way, we have the largest unfunded pension liability in the country, but we're in great shape financially as a state. Um, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it strains credulity. I don't understand these people. It's well, like, it, it, they, do they think everybody's stupid and just go, oh, okay, well, if this is for a 10-year balance of a cost of living increase, then I guess it's okay. Well, you know, Arasimowitz is 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 right because these these raises, even at two and a half percent per year, plus the step raises, even if they they get the raises, the effective raises up to five percent per year, uh, that's not going to cover inflation for the state employees because inflation in the United States, the real inflation rate. Uh, well, the official inflation right now is 8%. Uh, the real inflation rate is probably closer to 20% if right, you go by right. the, the, the calculation, the way, the way inflation was calculated, you know, 20 years ago. But, uh, you know, the point is, who, who in the United States, you know, other than government employees, is, is getting even halfway covered for, for inflation? I mean, all these... These government employees during the epidemic, they never lost a paycheck. Never. You know, much of the United States uh, population did lose a paycheck and is steadily getting farther behind. Yeah. Uh, we have preferential treatment for government employees in, in Connecticut and the United States because the, the unions are very influential and they constitute the Democratic Party's army and they, they make sure we never have regime change in the United States. I mean, I'm not arguing with Joe or Simmons math. What I'm saying is... Okay, so forty-three thousand people are going to get a cost of living, a prepaid cost of living increase of thirty-five hundred bucks. Which, by the way, I don't think is going to slow up too many people who are going to retire. They're going to take the money. They're going to retire anyway. But my point is, who's taking care of the other three and a half million people who live in Connecticut? If, oh, if, they're, if they're, they're an afterthought, well, and uh, it's their own <laughs> fault that they're an afterthought. Uh, you know, they they don't pay attention. And in fairness to them, you know, life is getting uh, harder. I mean, uh, harder and more complicated. Feeling- 
Well, there's a great Steely Dan song uh, people might want to go listen to later. Uh, Only a Fool Would Say That is the name of the song. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, it's Get like that up, man. The... Get that playing. <laughs> the man on the street dragging his feet uh, don't want to hear the bad news. Uh, yeah. Imagine your face there in his place, uh, standing inside his brown shoes. You do his nine to five, uh, you know, drag yourself home half alive, and there on the screen, a man with a dream. People come home at night, and they're exhausted. They got things to take care of, and now you've yeah. got to have, you know, two parents working in a home to, right, to make it. Right. And, and, you know, it's all they can do to turn on Inside Edition, much less the news. Well, I'm saying that, you're, that to your point, Chris, people just want to live their lives. They want to work their job, take care of their families, mow their lawns, have a little bit of vacation time, you know, go watch the kids play baseball, volleyball, lacrosse, whatever. They don't have time to be drilled on and become political science experts and geopolitical theorists on whether or not we should uh, not take oil in from Russia. I mean, it's just it's stinking overwhelming to most people. Yeah, and, and yet democracy depends on public participation. Uh, I know, James but it's Reston, getting harder to participate. James Rest of the New York Times uh, said many years ago that the first rule of politics is the indifference of the majority. And yeah. that's why the unions have such, uh, such influence. They are yeah. up at the Capitol with their representatives every day, and they're making you know, political contributions in various ways. And the public is not there. No, no. I'm, I'm glad we are. But we, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get worn out just li reading all this stuff. <laughs> Just like, what? Listen, you know, talk radio is, is one of the few options available uh, to, to people for venting their concerns, but it's, yeah. it's, it's not enough. I mean, no. people have got to be paying attention, and they've got to be in touch with their legislators. Mm -hmm. Their legislators today will hear virtually every day from, from a government class interest, a state employee right. union or some right. social service agency who's you know, executives are making $200,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, legislators will hear from those people every day. They will not hear from taxpayers every day. And they need to in, in great numbers, unfortunately. Chris, I wanted to, I, I don't have time. I wanted to cover this other thing on the planning and zoning, which, which is a thorn in my side. But anyway, maybe we can, we can hit it next week. We can talk about that. <laughs> I love haranguing you, Will. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Chris Powell, former managing editor Drill Inquirer. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Paul. Um, all right, we're going to take a break and come back. Man, I can't believe the show's over. Uh, last caller of the day, the Between Rounds Bagel, last caller of the day. We'll set up for that when we return here on the Tuesday edition of the Will Marotti Show. This is local radio, the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, welcome back, 1054. We're going to set up for the Between Rounds Bagel Last Caller of the Day. I want to say thanks to uh, Chris Herb for uh, joining us. We're going to have him on again, smart guy like him. And as always, Chris Powell, very entertaining. We always love having Chris on. And uh, and you, of course, tomorrow. Tomorrow now, all, all Caller Wednesday tomorrow. And we'll be doing the fundraiser tomorrow with um, uh, the uh, Connecticut, uh, uh, the Credit Union League of Connecticut. We'll be raising money to cover shipping for supplies to Ukraine. Uh, it, it costs fifty thousand dollars to ship one trailer, one car, you know, one uh, uh, tractor trailer hauler. Uh, not the not the tractor, but the cab, the the, the cargo it takes fifty thousand. So we we got to raise some money to send some uh, 
sends us. So all day tomorrow, all four Odyssey stations, uh, Light 100, TIC 1080, 96.5 TIC, and, and Hot 93.7, will all be uh, doing participating in this fundraiser with the uh, the Credit Union League of Connecticut. So I hope that you'll, you'll participate. We'll tell you how to give tomorrow. All right, last call of the day. Uh, let's go first to... Uh, uh, let's go to Steve in Bristol. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. What's on your mind? So, uh, you know, I'm a small-time landlord. I have a whole 14 tenants that pay me rent. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get rent from one of them, it, it hurts. Yeah, of course. It, it, and, you know, when they announced that Unite CT rent relief program, I had three tenants that were behind. Mm-hmm. And I encouraged them all to apply. One of them did it immediately, and mm-hmm. we were successful. Okay. One of them dragged her heels, mm-hmm. and uh, I used the success from the first one and got the second one to do it, too, and mm-hmm. we were successful. Okay. And the third one I had to beg, so she finally got it done mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. So we both did our halves, and uh, it's been sitting in all set at their site completed the application since October <laughs> and they have not signed a case manager to it yet. So I tried calling the CT Unite phone number mm-hmm. and you, they put you on hold and then they come back and say, you want to leave your number? We'll call you back. So <laughs> I did that. They called me back three days later yeah. and it said suspected spam caller. So I didn't take the num- take the call. Yeah. And I missed uh, talking to them, so I, I called again. Happens. I waited another three days. Mm-hmm. Person called me and said, uh, "So how can I help you?" And I said, "Well, I had a, a, a tenant who's applied mm-hmm. in October, mm-hmm. and they still haven't assigned a case manager." Yeah. And the person looked and said, "Look at that, you're right." And they said, "Well, we'll get right on it. We'll make sure Let's someone's see. assigned to it." Mm-hmm. I said, "Great, thank you." We hung up. Mm-hmm. So that was a month ago. They still, still haven't none. Still none. assigned anybody. But there's no urgency, Steve. There's no urgency from your tenants because they know you're not going to evict them or can't evict them. There's no urgency from the state because they're getting paid no matter what and a three a $3,500 bonus. There's no urgency. So, you know, thanks, thanks for you investing and taking a risk on property, but who, who cares about you? You must be a millionaire. You're a landlord, yeah, no, so who cares? Exactly. I'm the bad Steve, guy. Steve, I, I just the, – the, the apathy and the lack of urgency is pathetic, and, and I, yeah. I feel badly for you. Wish I could help in some way. Thank you for your call. Oh, between rounds, Bagel, last caller of the day. We're going to go to South Windsor. They have locations in Manchester, South Windsor, Vernon, and Tallinn. So this is good for AJ. AJ, welcome. Congratulations. What's on your oh, mind? Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, I enjoyed the call from uh, Chris Herb, was it? Yes, Chris uh, Herb, yes. Peaches yeah. and Herb, yes. Uh, I hope you have him on again, and I would like to get an explanation. You know how Jen Psaki, that... Uh, one of the worst uh, press secretaries keeps saying that the uh, oil companies have all these, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, 9,000 leases they're, they're not using that they could be drilling. Right. Yeah. And I would like an explanation about, is that true? No, and, of course it's not true. It's so coming out of Jen Psaki's mouth. How do you know if Jen's lying? Her, her lips are moving. Of course it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> It just you know, there's some there's some technical. There's a there's an ounce of truth in it, but the rest of it is fabricated. So hey AJ, I'm gonna put you on hold. Matt's gonna take your information and uh, congratulations. You are the between round bagel last caller of the day here on the Tuesday edition of the Walmart Show. Thanks you great show today, guys. Thank you again to uh 
Chris Herb for coming on. Thanks for uh, Chris Powell coming on. Matt, as always, great job. Couldn't couldn't be happier. Uh, love you guys. Enjoy the weather today. Uh, take care. Pray for those in Ukraine. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock.